are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Let me just get to reading here, if you, Hebrews 10, 32. Hebrews 10 and verse 32. You know, I think the book of Hebrews... Personally, I think was wrote by Paul, and I'll tell you in a minute, the verse here I think proves that. But uh, anyway, the book of Hebrews, of course, is wrote to the believer, and, uh, and I think the theme is to go on, go on, you know, go on through your troubles, trials, keep going, uh, go on to maturity. But look what he said in verse 32, but call to remembrance the former days. Now Paul said, in which after you were eliminated, he endured a great fight of afflictions. Now, Paul said, you remember, uh, after God delivered you, you endured a great fight of afflictions. Now, look at verse number 33. Partly, whilst you were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions. Now, our brothers already remind us tonight, it's never popular to be a Christian. And Paul is telling us here in the scriptures, you were made a gazing stock. A reproach and afflictions, and partly whilst ye became companions of them that were so used. For ye had compassion of me in my bonds. I think that's him talking about Paul there, myself. Uh, he said, you were compassionate of me in my bonds. Paul talked about the, uh, the bonds that he had many times. He said, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourself that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Now notice what he said, verse 35. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye, ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. Now, he's saying do some enduring here as a Christian, and you need to be patient, that after you've done the will of God, notice that after you've done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, will not tarry. He said, now the Lord's coming back. That's what he said. Now, the just shall live by faith. If any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. I was reading this this afternoon on the plane, and I came to verse 36. And that seemed to just come out of my mind. For ye have need of patience that after you've done the will. You've done the will of God. After you've done the will of God. That you might receive the promise. Now I want to talk to you just a little while tonight. On some, some, some things that are a danger of stepping out of the will of God. Now friend, I believe the most important thing for your life and my life. If you're saved is to be in the will of God. The will of God. Uh, when we are deliberately out of the will of God and we know it, we're a target for the devil. My friend, I'm not talking about losing salvation. I'm talking about wrecking. I'm talking about ruining our ministry wherever God's placed us. And there's some things that will, uh, the devil will use if we're not careful to, to, to cause us to step out of the will of God. Now, I want to say, first of all, before we get to my points here, the will of God's not always pleasant. It's not always pleasant to do the will of God. Now, if I had time, I could talk about that, and you know it. It's not pleasant to do the will of God. No. I, I've been on the radio for 30 years, three or four different stations. Every one of them said, Brother Bobby, if you'll go on, 
uh, will never change. But uh, the others have went into rock music and put the religious programs off. I'm on one now. I've been on for about 12 years, and the, the manager of that station has been the manager of these others. And every time, he'll say, now, if you'll go with this station, I'll guarantee you it'll never change. I've been on it, I guess, 10, 12 years, 100,000-watt station. We broadcast an hour on Sunday night, an hour on Wednesday night. Got a tremendous radio audience. And, and it breaks my heart. But this station is, is gradually, it's changed its format. And, uh, and it's practically rock music with, with Christian words to it. I mean, it, it's so wild that you couldn't, you, if you got any sense at all, you couldn't listen to it. That's just, that's just how bad it is. And, uh, and it keeps getting worse. A few months ago, I got a letter from them. And they're saying, now, we have made a survey. And I think where they made it was in their office, probably. And we've made a survey. And we found that uh, most people want the teaching type of ministry. And we're asking all of our, uh, all of our men who speak on our, to stick more to the teaching type of ministry. And, uh, and went on to say some things. And so I just throw the letter aside. About two or three weeks later, the manager called me. And he said, now, Brother Robertson, you get my letter. I said, I, I got your letter. And uh, he said, now, we don't want you to go off. We pay him about $2,000 a month. So he said, we don't want you to go off our station now. We, we're talking about some of these fellows. And he, you know, just round around about. And I said, well, now, let me tell you something. Now, I said, I, I want to get this straight. I said, now, you can run your part like you please. It's your station. It's not mine. But I said, my part, I pay for it. Yeah. And I said, now, you don't think, you've known me long enough. Now, I'm not trying to be smart. I'm just trying to tell you that there's some things that, if you're not careful, pressures will do. And I said, now, you know me long enough that you're not changing my preaching. I said, I'm not a charismatic. And I said, I preach, I preach on Wednesday night to my people and Sunday night, and I'm preaching to them, and you hear it out there, and you may not like it. I said, I preach that a Christian ought to dress right, walk right, act right. And I said, I, I'm not changing for you out there. And he said, well, now, I understand that, Brother Bobby. So two weeks ago, I get another letter. And this letter says, now, uh, we don't want you to say anything critical on your program whatsoever. Don't criticize any other doctrine. Don't say anything about any music. So last Sunday, I lambasted music. So I'm expecting, I'm expecting any time to get a letter. And that'll be it. But uh, it'll break my heart. But I can't help it, folks. You'll find in your ministry preachers where there are things that will break your heart. And if you're not careful, a lot of time pressures will pressure you. But don't let them things get you out of the will of God. Now, pressures. I think about Simon Peter. You know Simon Peter when Jesus came out of the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, if you remember, buddy, he was going to stand up. He said, I'll stand for you. And he almost got that feller's head, if you remember, whacked his ear off. But, brother, when they got in that high priest's palace over there, and that crowd looked a little bit different. <laughs> and they said, hey, you one of them. He said, I don't even know him. You see? Uh, and Peter got out of the will of God because of peer pressure coming on him, you see. I think of a man like David. The Bible said that he was a man after God's own heart. David, uh, he behaved himself wisely. You know the story every time Saul came after him, uh, he behaved himself. He, uh, he had respected God's anointed, and, and, and yet Saul just kept pressuring him, kept pressuring him. 
And in 1 Samuel chapter 27, if you're not familiar with it, you read it sometime. One day he said, there's only one thing left for me, and that is to leave my land and to go into the Philistines. Now what happened to David? Pressure got him out of the will of God. My friend, it's not hard to believe you're in the will of God when the sun is shining and everything's going fine, but when pressure comes. And I don't know, I, I feel like I may be talking to some preachers tonight. Uh, you're in California, and you started a church maybe two or three or four years ago, and maybe you kind of got over your honeymoon a little bit now, you know. Everybody loved you, but now it looks like everything is pressuring you now. But be careful. Don't say, well, I think I'll just give it up and go, because pressures, the devil will use pressures to get us out of the will of God. And you know the story. David had to pay for that. When he got out of the will of God, uh, he wasn't in, he wouldn't right he wouldn't right to go over there in the land of Philistines. Man, he didn't even fit in there. Well, those Philistines said, "What's he doing over here? We're not going to fight with him in our battle." You see, but he let pressures get him out of the will of God. I think of Ruth. Uh, I mean, Naomi and Amalek in Ruth chapter one. The Bible said they dwelt in the place of Bethlehem, Judah. Bethlehem means bread. Judah means praise. They was in the will of God. But a famine came. A testing time. A pressure came. Amalek says to Naomi, I expect we better go over the land of the Moabites. And my friend, it's never right, it's never right to leave the place of Bethlehem where Jesus was born. It's never right to leave there and go to that wicked land, the Moabites, and they got out of the will of God. And you know what happened? He died, the boys died, and uh, she came back bitter because he let the pressures drive them away from the will of God. I could say so much tonight, but when you're losing your people, you know, uh, like Brother Jack said a while ago, you go up and then you're up and you say, man, I don't understand. All at once it went down. My song would have left me last week and I don't know who's going to play the piano and I don't, I don't know. I just, I believe God's through in this thing. You didn't think God was through when everything was right, but pressure's come now and I better do something. No, brother, that's when we need to stick in there is when pressure's come. Let me give you a verse of scripture just popped into my mind. I'm not going to turn to it. But about five, six years ago, I was a little brother, Ed Blue, in a funeral. Ed Blue's a part Indian, uh, elderly feller, and good man, you know him. And we was riding along going from the church to the cemetery. Ed's health's bad. And Ed said to me, he said, Brother Bobby, he said, the Lord's got me by the neck uh, like he did Job and has shaken me to pieces. Well, I never heard of that before. Had you ever heard of that? No. And I wasn't going to say anything, though. A whole lot I don't know in the Bible. And uh, I, I thought, well, man, I, didn't know, I don't know what you mean. I mean, I know Job had a tough time. But I didn't know God got him by the neck and shook him to pieces. But I didn't say a word. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You read it when you get home. Don't turn to it now. I think I can quote it to you. But a few months ago, I was reading my Bible, just reading daily right. And it's in Job 16, 12. If I'm not mistaken, Job 16, 12. Job says, I, would at, I was at ease. And he hath taken me by my neck and shaken me to pieces. And he set me up for his mark. Now, boy, there's a sermon. And he set me up for his mark, you see. 
This man right here suffers physically, but he don't talk about it to you. But God has set this man up for his mark to prove to people all over America that you can still go on in the circumstances. And God is saying, just like he said to the devil, have you considered my servant Job? He says, have you considered my servant Jack? Have you considered my servant Jim or whoever it may be? He's in the pressure, but he's still there. And God said, I'll set him up for my my mark to prove that my grace is sufficient in the time of trouble. That's what I'm talking about. Folks, because you're under pressure don't mean that you're supposed to take off. Because pressures will get us out of the will of God if we're not careful. I was preaching, let me go back, there's a fellow named Alan Mercer. Alan was born in South Africa. He came to Winston-Salem to Piedmont Bible College and graduated and said God led him back to his native land as a missionary. Went back four or five years, got a church started, was doing great. Uh, a, a dear man who loved him so much in America wrote to him, and, and down in South Africa they were fighting so bad and killing people and all of that is having problems. If you've followed the paper, it's been about two or three years or so ago. And my preacher friend said, Alan, you better get out. You better get out of that place. Alan, get your wife and children out. You're going to get killed. Come back to America and be my assistant pastor. And finally he left and came back to America. And uh, this preacher called me and he said, we, we support Alan. And he said, uh, Brother Bobby, he said, now I'm going to train him as assistant because he's a native of South Africa. And uh, said, I'm going to train him here and try to help him become a pastor and we'll get him a church in America because they're going to kill him down there. And he kept him here for about a year, and I preached a meeting for my friend, and Alan said, can I, could, could, the, could Brother Bobby have lunch with my wife and I? And, of course, the preacher said, fine. I went over to the house where the church had, was renting for him, beautiful place, and I said, Alan, this is nice. And he said, thank you. But he seemed so depressed. He seemed so depressed, and we sat down, I said to his wife, you fixed a wonderful meal, and they thanked me, and we asked the blessing to start eating. He, two or three miles full, pushed his chair back, looked over and said, Pastor Robinson, I'm out of the will of God, and I'm scared to death. I said, what do you mean, Alan? He said, this pastor meant well. He said he meant well. He loved me so much. He's afraid I'd get killed in South Africa. And he said, I don't blame him. But he said, Brother Bobby, by those prices there in South Africa, I came back to America. And that man wants to, wants to get me to be a pastor here in America. But he said, I'm safer in South America than I am here because I'm out of the will of God, he said. And he said, I got to get back in the will of God. I don't know what to do. Boy, I didn't want anything else to eat. Brother Don, I sit there and I said, thank God you're honest, Brother Allen. Thank God you're honest. And I said, tonight after service, we'll call the pastor in. So after I preached, I said, Pastor, Brother Allen, I want to talk to you. Went in, the, went in his office and sat down. I said, go ahead, Allen, tell him what you told me. And he told him. And the pastor said, I knew something was wrong with you. And I said, I want to help you get back in Africa. I said, give me a list of you. I said, we'll pick up your, uh, pick up your support. Give me a list, and I'll try to call these fellas. And you know that man went two years, and he never, some of those fellas never took him back. He's never got back just like he was. But he had testified to you tonight that he let the pressures and the fears drive him out of the will of God. Folks, there's a danger there. We all have pressures. 
don't we? That's right. We all have them. Your responsibilities. Sometimes you'd like to just, you know, if you're pastoring, you can't relax. I haven't relaxed in 41 years. If I did, I'd come apart. You know. I mean, you just don't wake up and say, well, you know, you know. There's a missionary at my office yesterday morning, and uh, he said, oh, Brother Bobby, when I'm out of town a week or two, said, I'm like you. I got a mess of mail. I said, I ain't been out of town. This is from Friday to the day. I'm working on this stuff, trying to answer this and help that problem and so on like that. And sometimes those pressures make you kind of want to ease out, ease out. I was thinking the other day, and God's so good to me, I have no complaints. I'm just sharing my heart with you. You know, I turned 66 years old last month. And my, my church has been paying Social Security on me for 41 years. My wife kept saying, why don't you see how much Social Security? And I just didn't have time to go. So we finally, when I was 65, we went to the Social Security office and found out what we could get. But they said you can't get it as long as you work. Now, that's not right. But a lot of things, this world's not right. But uh, they said, now, if you retire, you can die about $1,500, $1,600 a month, me and her could get together. And, well, you couldn't live it on, we could live on it out our way. You get used to a whole lot of things, but hanging, you know, if you have to, amen. <laughs> and my wife, she wouldn't want me to, but she said, honey, you know, you know, if you just, if you just retired and, and, you know, and just preach around over the country, boy, that thing's hitting my mind. Hey, you wouldn't have the pressures. I, I, we got 662 kids in our school this time. And the other day I was counting, I am responsible for over 100 salaries, the church and the school all together. I'll get you under Juniper Tree. You hadn't even thought about it if you think about all those things. Now I thought about those 51 buses. Sunday afternoon, somebody's calling the pastor, and they're mad because somebody hit their kid on the bus, and they're going to sue us. Brother Gibbs is my right arm, you know. And, uh, I mean, you, you got all of that to go through all the time. Somebody mad. A fellow called me yesterday morning. I went in the office. There's one of the bus men. I said, oh, Lord, when are you going to get me, uh, when are you going to help me get me a, a, a driver? I, I want a driver's faithful, you know. I mean, you hear this stuff all the time, all the time, all the time. And I don't want to hear nothing but it. I've been in it too long. What I'm trying to say is, if I'm not careful, you just say, well, buddy, I could just kind of relax and retire, and maybe Brother Treber and somebody else would have me here and yonder and give me an offering once in a while, and I'd make up my, oh, I could just, no, no, I don't want to get out of the will of God. No. You say, Brother Bobby, aren't you thinking about retiring? I'm thinking about refueling, bless God. As long as God gives me the health and strength, I'm where I'm supposed to be, my friend. And I don't want pressures to get me out of God's will. Like the brother said tonight, I'd like to finish up well. I'd like to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, my friend. That's what I'm talking about. I don't know how much longer I'll pastor. I hope I'm pastor of Jesus Terrence is coming till I'm 80 years old anyway. Then be an evangelist for the rest of my life or something like that. <clears throat> I mean, you have those temptations, folks. And preachers tonight, <clears throat> I guess I have a burden for preachers as much as anybody. You have those pressures. I preach most of the time. I don't preach to crowds like this except in my own church. 
Two weeks ago, I think I was in a church with 23 in it, 23 in, uh, in Sunday school. I give away some of my choir tapes, and old boy had 14 <laughs> extra ones the next week and had a hallelujah time. Last week, I preached in one, had 106, 108, something like that. And most of my preaching is in small churches. And, and that's fine. I, I want to help them. But I know, I know I talk to a lot of preachers. And they say, Brother Bobby, this thing's getting so hard when you get in there and nobody leads you singing. And no, the pressures. But don't you move. You stay there, my friend. You may not be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel. But bless God, it's out there. And you'll see it if you'll just stay in there. That's what I'm talking about. Brother Larry knows the pressures that God's brought me through through the years. One time, 36 years ago, my deacons all quit at one time. Every one of them just quit at one time. One man, my Sunday school superintendent, walked up to me and, and, and handed me a note and said, not a note, but a letter, and said, I want you to read my resignation next Sunday. And I said, what have I done to you? He said, you ain't done nothing, but you'll know God wants you to leave his place, so I'm just leaving myself. He was a brother-in-law to the head deacon, so they were buddies. Bob Jones Sr. was there that Sunday. He don't know the pressure was in that thing. He's in heaven now. I never shared it with him, but he preached for me that Sunday. Boy, I tell you, tension was so high, you could cut it with a knife. Those deacons were so mad at me, I went out to the door to shake hands, and one of them said to me, come by, how come you didn't read our Sunday school superintendent's uh, resignation this morning? I said, how'd you know about it? I'll never forget standing there, looking down there, and those five or six deacons standing there pawing like an old mule or something, just wanting to get a hold of me. But God brought me through all of that. God's, he's still on the throne. That's what I'm trying to say. And brother, I can say this to God be the glory tonight. And I mean that, God be the glory. You've never heard a preacher that enjoys his pulpit any more than the one you're looking at tonight. And there was a time in my life where I'd have given anything to walk away from it. But God turned the table. And I love to preach here and yonder. But nowhere do I love to preach like I do at Gospel Light. It's just like the first Sunday now that I've ever been there. I'm saying we've got to be careful. God does move people. But my friend, be careful on this thing of pressures. Then let me say quickly, and I say quickly, I've got to hurry. Here's something else we better watch, and that's prosperity. Prosperity. That'll get us out of the will of God. Got Lot out of the will of God. Lot lifted his eyes up towards the plains of Jordan, and he saw him as well. What? And you know what happened to him? Boy, he sure messed up, got in a mess. Over here in 1 Timothy, in chapter number 6, listen to what he says. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, in verse number 9, And they that will be rich, not rich, but will be, what happens? Fall into temptation, a snare, into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all evil. Get this, while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And then he goes on and says, but O man of God, flee these things. Prosperity, my friend will many times get us out of the will of God. Proverbs 28, 22 said, He that hasteth 
didn't say he that's rich, but he that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye, and knoweth not he is going to come to poverty. That's something we better be careful. We're blessed in this country. Uh, oh, how we're blessed. About everybody here has got two automobiles tonight. That's right. We're blessed. Back here some years ago, we have, we're living in a big parsonage. Been in one for 31 years now. It has two and a half baths. But before that, we had a little house that you had to put your card in the door to get in the bathroom. A little, you know, it was five of us, a little thing. And by the way, before that, we had Johnny's out in the, in the woods. You, you don't know what they are. But I remember my wife, when we, uh, when we had that, we finally got our first bathroom. Some of you city dudes don't know what a Johnny is, a toilet. That's what I'm talking about. Outside, out yonder, that's what I'm talking about. In the cold, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> but I remember my wife telling, coming to me, and she said, Honey, there's a lady in our church said, I don't know how in the world y'all make it with just one bath. I said, You ought to have told her, bless God, I made it for about 19, 20 years without one. I remember when I was raised up, uh, old heads back down behind the house, and Mom would make us go down there on Saturday afternoon and take our weekly bath in number two washing tub. Heat the water. Hey, you, you, you don't know what real life is. That's right. She'd, uh, she'd heat, she would put a little wash pot and heat that water. And Don, you remember those days? And, and, and say, boys, you've got to take a bath. And we'd get down there, us three boys, and we'd get down there in that old tub behind the heads and take our weekly bath. I remember those times. And listen, what I'm trying to say is tonight, folks, we don't live like that much anymore. And if we're not careful, we'll let prosperity get us out of the will of God. Uh, let me say this quickly. We had a young man in our church. Went off years ago to Bob Jones University and uh, came back. He's raised up in our church and is a good school teacher. Taught school for 10 years. And, uh, and he told me, he said, preacher, there's one thing about it. I know I know this is what God wants for my life is be a Christian school teacher. I said, you do a good job. I appreciate you. I've never had, ever, never had a complaint about you. Doing a good job. But that boy got into some business on the side. Yeah. Amway. Somebody, maybe you pay. I don't think Amway's anything wrong with it, but anything's wrong when you let it get a hold of you and drive you away from God. Yeah. And he, he got to doing this stuff on the side a little bit. And finally, he wasn't going to come back. And be honest, I was glad because he'd, he'd, his heart had done left it, done left the, the, what he was doing. But he was driving. He, all at once, he's driving, I think, as a Toyota. And all at once, he come out in a Mercedes right before he left. And I said, boy, you got your Mercedes. He said, no, that's my boss. He said, he's loaned me that. He says, it, I can't have much prestige unless I drive a bigger car. And says, I'm getting me one now. I have it ordered. I said, I see Wait a minute now, folks. That's been five, six years ago. Where's he at now? He's out of church. Now, there's nothing wrong with driving your Lexuses and your, all of that. And, your, and I don't care. I drive a town car. The church buys it for me. And, but what I'm trying to say is let's be careful. I've got people that was poor one time, and they just enjoyed the will of God, but they've let a little prosperity drive them out of the will of God. And that's something you better watch, my friend. And, and then let, let me give you a third thing, and that's the thing of pride. Pride. Uh, you remember the story, and I had these, but I'm not going to take time because it's time to close. But you remember the story about King Uzziah. For 52 years, he reigned in Jerusalem. And you read over and over in Second Chronicles 26 especially sometime, and look how God blessed him. I mean, God blessed him. He gave him one victory right after the other. 
But you read in the 16th verse of, the, of 2 Chronicles chapter 26 that he became strong and his heart was lifted up. And he got out of the will of God. He went in to burn incense. That's out of the will of God. That was a priest's place. It wasn't the king's place. And then if you remember, leprosy came on him. And then he got uh, bitter and went, didn't go back to church anymore. You see, I don't care how long we've been saved. When we get built up and get a little pride, we better be careful. Because we'll try to step in and we know it all. And we'll miss the will of God for our life. We better remember that. Brother Lester Roloff used to say, Man can get too big for God, but he can't get too small. And that's true. That's true. And say, well, that's a big preacher. No, no, no. No, that's already been said. I know big preachers and little preachers. I mean, when you and I get so big that somebody can't touch us, I think King Uzziah got that away. We're in bad shape. When you can't come in, when I, when I get so big that I can't go out yonder and love them little old snotty-nosed young'uns, if, excuse me for saying that, but that's North Carolina, little old snotty-nosed young'uns we bring in from broken homes and put my arm around in them, love them, and care for them. And spend, spend just as much time as them as I will with that millionaire in my church. Brother, I've got too big, and I'd better watch out. I'm going to miss God's will in my life. That's what I'm talking about. You be careful about that. Be careful about it, my friend. Let me say to some of you college students, you be careful that you don't let pride, pride goes before destruction, that you don't let pride build up in your life. Well, I've got a college degree. Well, God bless your heart. What's that? I remember the first degree that Dr. Howells gave me. I think it's 1975, and I got one again in the 80, and I got one two or three years ago. And I remember my sweet wife, she said, honey, don't let it change you. I said, don't do a thing for me. I said, it's like the curl on a pig's tail, no more ham. That's all. You know. <laughs> I kind of get a little bit, you know, I, I come out here and you folks, here comes Dr. Robertson. I'm looking for Lee Robertson. That, that kind of fits him, but don't fit me. You say, there comes Bob. That's all right with me. That's him, you see. But I'm not making fun of those degrees, but what I'm trying to say is if we're not careful, we get so built up. There's a preacher friend of mine told me a while back, he said, Brother Bobby, I'll preach for this man. I thought he was actually kidding, but he wasn't. He said, I sat down in his chair, and he said, don't sit in that chair. And I said, oh, come on. He said, I was kidding. He said, no, no. He said, that's the pastor's care, a chair, and said, that's disrespect to the pastor. There's a fellow in North Carolina came there and spent three or four years, and, and uh, he wouldn't even stand down here to have his picture taken with a couple that was getting married. He said, that's disrespectable. He stands up here. One of our fellows, photographer in the church, he said, I don't understand this guy, Brother Bobby. He said, they wanted to have their picture taken with a preacher. He stands behind the pulpit, and they have to stand down there. He said, that's disrespect. He's been gone for years. Yeah. Oh, let me tell you something. You and I just sinners saved by grace. We ought to go to hell, my friend. That's right. That's what we all deserve. 
You remember that. Don't you never forget what you... Don't you never let pride get in your mind. Listen, if God blesses your church, if you can run 10,000 in Sunday school, you bow your head and give God the glory and walk before Him because if there's any good thing, God does it. You don't do it, my friend. So you watch this thing about pride. And then I'm quitting now. Another's pleasure. Pleasure. We better watch. I think what Paul is trying to tell him here, and, and I've tried to hurry, and when I try to hurry, I don't hurry, but I try it anyway. But in Hebrews chapter 10, what Paul is trying to tell him here is, you've, you went on to do the will of God. Now be careful. He that cometh will come and will not tarry. The Lord's coming. There's reward, but don't mess you. Don't get out of God's will. You've done it. Now go on in the will of God. As Brother Don said tonight, finish a good course, my friend. Pleasures. So much I could say about that. Demas went around with Paul in his ministry for a long time. But Paul's writing to the young preacher Timothy and said, 2 Timothy 4.10, he says, Demas hath forsaken me now. What happened? He's loved the pleasant world. He's loving the world now. And he's departing to Thessalonica. Watch this thing of pleasures, my friend. It can get us out of the will of God. Bus workers, I'm so thrilled to see that you've got these boards right here. Bless God, keep them up there. Keep them up there. That's wonderful. But bus workers, let me tell you, you enjoy playing golf. As far as I know, it's nothing wrong. If it is, poor old Steve is a poor sinner because he plays enough for me and him both. I, I, I think it would be good, but it gets on my nerves. I, don't, I just don't like it. But, but let me tell you, don't you never let golf or flea markets or, or yard sales or any other pleasure say, well, I can't go on with my bus route on Saturday because don't you let those pleasures get you out of the will of God. Don't you let them get out of the will of God. You watch these things. This is just some simple thoughts. God gave me on the, on the plane today the danger of stepping out of the will of God. Pressures, prosperity, pride, pleasures. You could go on. Those things we have to watch. We're human. But let's don't get out of the will of God. Let's stay in the will of God. The will of God. As I said, it's not always pleasant, my friend. It's not always popular. It's not always an outward progress either. You know, Noah was in the will of God, but he didn't have a lot of converts, did he? You see what I'm trying to say? Now, you be faithful. If God adds, don't get carried up with this thing. And, well, I got to baptize so many like this other fellow. And baptize and baptize and baptize. Listen, you're independent Baptist. You follow God's leadership. That's what I'm talking about. Don't you get, don't you get carried up and, and let it be. It could be, I, I, I'm not saying people, I'm not anything wrong with it, But I'm just saying it can be a fleshly thing if we're not careful. You see, I've got one person to mind and that's God. I've got to follow him. I've got to be in his will. And your church may never grow to be a North Valley Baptist church. And that don't mean you're out of the will of God. Every church is not a large church. E. Verde Moore is with B.I. in my board. He's been, in, he's been in the hills of Kentucky for 38 years. We've been supporting him. I doubt if he had 50 last Sunday. But he's been laboring. He's been through some battles. He's been shot at. 
I've been up there and preached for him back years ago. I've, I've went across them old footlogs up in them hills of Kentucky and, and go back up in the, in, into the mountains, little old houses up there that was uh, uh, sealed with pasteboard on the inside. And he's going to try to win them to God. I remember preaching for him one day. Uh, Bull's lady had been over to the snake handling meeting for a month, one of his members, and got all tangled up with tongues. And she come back over there. And I got up fixing, fixing to preach. And she got up to jabbering something we couldn't understand. And old brother Moore said, let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. And we just gathered around the altar and prayed. And you could feel everything move out. And then I got ready to pray. That fellow's been through some things. But he's been in the will of God. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org.